will be Jake Ellis, the sports manager of the Utah Statesman. But to get started, just me, Jacob Nielsen. So welcome to the show. We got plenty to talk about. All things Utah State sports. We're going to talk football. We're going to talk basketball. We're going to talk volleyball. Maybe even a little bit of World Cup. But uh, let's let's get this thing cranking. So today, live on air, it's November 30th. It's almost December 1st. That's crazy to me. Tomorrow is December. Utah State basketball plays tomorrow. They face Utah Tech after over a week of having off. Um, football just wrapped up the regular season with their game at Boise State. And volleyball has a huge game. Back in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2010, Rob Nielsen and the USU volleyball team, they're taking on Arkansas on Friday in Oregon in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So exciting week. We're going to touch on some football first and foremost. We're going to chat chat about the gridiron, and then we'll move on to some other things. But, uh, you know, last Friday on the Smurf turf, was a was a game to it was a game to remember for Utah State. I think I think it was a big learning experience for the Aggies. Uh, disappointing result, one that they're going to wish that they had back big time because they uh, you know Utah State they lose to Boise State. If you did not watch it, forty two twenty three was the final score on the Smurf turf on Black Friday, but the score was really really misleading because Utah State they. Uh, they had an opportunity to win that game late, trailing just 28-23. A minute 30 to go, they got the ball to the 11-yard line. They were 11 yards away from beating Boise in Boise State in Boise for the first time since 1996, and they're, uh, they're not able to get the job done. You know, they, that offense was revving in the second half. It was, it was crazy. It was a tell of two halves. First half, Utah State's offense looked anemic. They looked like they couldn't do anything. It looked like how they played against Alabama earlier in the year, and they totaled just 105 yards of offense in the first half. Then you fast forward to the second half, and they're just all over the place. Cooper Legault is running the ball. Justin McGriff is making catches. (laughs) Calvin Tyler Jr. scores a touchdown. Terrell Vaughn breaks loose. Legault hits him for a 75-yard touchdown, which was the longest play of the season from the line of scrimmage for Utah State. And all of a sudden, they're right back in this game from 21-0 to 28-23. And uh, just uh, couldn't quite get it done there at the end. So now joining me, the one and the only statesman sports manager, Jake Ellis. Jake, how you doing? Um, I have some words for the city planners of Logan, particularly for the intersection around Mount Logan Middle School and how poorly that backs up. But other than that, I'm doing great. <laughs> uh, that, 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 sounds, that sounds like a personal problem. Yeah, me. could be, could be. Let me say, I know university students contribute to the traffic problem, right? But even without university students, uh, that nightmare would still be there during school pickup time. So, uh, You know, I think we're going to just buck the whole talk about sports. We're just going to talk about <laughs> the layout of Logan City. Yeah. I, you know, I feel your pain because quite frequently I, I travel to McDonald's sure. to, to get myself a nice cheeseburger. Uh-huh. And oftentimes I eat lunch late because I eat breakfast late, you know? I'm kind of like a night owl, so they say. So I'm cruising over there at like 3 or 3.30, and the Mount Logan Middle School, they're getting out, and you can't go anywhere. No. And 10th West, or excuse me, 10th North is crazy. 2nd East is crazy. 1st East is crazy. Main, Main Street, just it's all just uh, yeah. congested. So I feel your pain. Thank you. <laughs> I, am I going to excuse you for your for your tardiness? 
Absolutely not. Well, but, well, I would just like the listeners to be to be very clear about about how um, the timing of us getting here usually works. So I'm <laughs> usually I, I'm usually here at three thirty at the latest, right? Uh-huh. And I'm sitting here, I'm laying out the show, I'm preparing some audio clips from the press conference. None this week, so sorry, you won't hear any of that. But I'm usually I'm prepping, I'm doing that work, right? And then I look down, and it's like three fifty, and I'm like, okay, time to start heading over. And I text Jacob and and I'm like, hey, you you know the show's like today, right? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, chill. I'm I'm I'm, I'm like I'm I'm by the institute building or something. You know, he'll say he's he's like close, right? And then and then I start the show. And we're five minutes in, and then and then he shows up sometimes. But then sometimes he blows me off for an interview with Jerry Bovey, which is fine. Like that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that that part is okay. But I just want to be clear: uh, the tardiness is usually not on me. Yes, yeah, so usually. How does it feel to uh, you know be on the other side of things then? I don't. It makes me anxious to be late. But I'm sorry, let's let's talk some Aggie football. I'm sorry. Enough about uh, my personal problems. I apologize. Yeah, you know, this maybe made me anxious starting the show <laughs> by myself. You know, I got to press all the right buttons to make sure we're on air. Hopefully, you can hear us. Hopefully, I did everything right. But yeah, so we're talking we're talking Aggie football, right? They finish the season six and six. The final game, they go out with an emphatic L, lose to Boise State, forty two twenty three. I was just talking about before you came in. How the score was misleading and how they almost won. It that is. Game. It is misleading. Five points for five minutes to go. Twenty-eight, twenty-three, with a minute thirty to go. True. Yeah. yeah. E- even even lower. Yeah, I forget about that. So it's uh it's one that the history books are not going to look favorably upon. We were talking about this as we were getting lunch after the game, right? Um, and that's unfortunate for these Aggies because um you you just wrote a column how Boise State has been this metaphorical monkey on the back of Utah State, and they just can't beat them. And there's another one in the notch is just two wins, three wins in the last 22, I think, is what it is, back to 1995. So I think 1996. So that was the last one in Boise, but I think the first one was in Logan when they joined so the Big West. I believe the first game was in Boise, and okay. then they went to Logan, the next, All right. and then Utah State got that one as well. Okay, so but, three wins over... 22, 3, 4 years against Boise. <laughs> You're not a math major, I'm are you? I'm not a math major. <laughs> okay. I'm a, I'm a PR emphasis journalism major and history minor, but sometimes you got to remind me of the latter part because I forget. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's, that's no, not very it, many wins. No. Uh, you know, here's the craziest thing. Boise State, do you know what year they became an FBS football team? 96, right? 96? Yeah. So Utah State was 2-0 and against Boise their first two years as in the FES, the Broncos, that is. And then Boise State just kicked their butts. And here's the thing, too, is Utah State and Boise State have a ton of history, respectively, within the, the, la- the largely the 21st century. But they were in the Big West together. Then they went to the WAC together. Boise takes off from the Mountain West. Two years later, the Aggies follow them. So they've played almost every year besides 2011 and 2012. And the I wrote this column for... Uh, for an unnamed uh, publisher that uh, and I outlined that hey like this could this could be the makings of a fantastic rivalry because really there's four hours that separate Logan and Boise and the Cache Valley is shared by the two states right so there's plenty of Idaho influence in this university and geographically it's right there and we all know Boise State people may I I mean I do I mean I wish I didn't but I do unfortunately um, so the this could be the makings of a fantastic game. And Utah State's been really competitive 
in the Mountain West since they joined, but it just hasn't been the case that it's been a competitive game. And no. last week was an opportunity for Blake Anderson and the crew to kind of change the tides, if you will, even though the game didn't have major implications. Boise State was going to the Mountain West Championship game regardless, but still, getting that win on the Smurf turf and to what you said, getting the monkey on the back, off the back, that would have been an incredible program victory for the Aggies, and it just didn't happen. Yeah. It's, uh, I think um, once you, you see some consistent wins there, it'll turn more into a rivalry, but Right now, it's uh, it's because I so I booted up the old NCAA 14 video game after they announced the uh, it's not coming out till 24, right? Only reason I bought a new system, by the way, to play that game. So I'm kind of it's a little sad for me personally, but um, that you know they got the little rivalry labels, and not to say that the EA devs have the definition on what's a rivalry, but that that Boise State Utah State one not not labeled a rivalry, wow. so. You know that's uh, they kind of throw those around pretty pretty generously yeah, too. So. Yeah, yeah. I think um, Utah State has one with like, can't remember if it's New Mexico or UNLV, and it's like I mean, sure, kind of in football though. I don't, you know, in basketball maybe for sure. For hoops, maybe but, with UNLV for sure. But with, yeah, with football, football, yeah. I don't know. So, well, you know what? This is just something that I'm thinking about right now. What if Boise State sees Utah State the same way that Utah State sees UNLV? Because, hear me out, Utah State, that UNLV game for basketball is a big deal. Whenever UNLV plays, the community comes out for it. Even though UNLV hasn't been the same self that they were in the Big West days, it's still a game that matters, moves the needle. For Boise State, what if what if it's the same thing? Whenever it's Utah State in basketball, it's a big deal because those two teams have been really competitive against each other. But then when it comes to football, it's just like, yeah. Just another team, because that's I think that's how the program sees UNLV when UNLV comes comes to yeah, town. Yeah, I'd say so. It's just like yeah, UNLV football, and it doesn't really move the needle. So that might be how it is. I think the difference in that and um, that logic is Utah State's much more of a basketball program than Boise State is. So I don't know if anybody really moves the needle for Boise State basketball because they don't move the needle themselves. Yeah, unless they're like and at-large team in the NCAA tournament and winning championships like they were last year. And even then, I don't think they even sold out their arena. So, I mean, it's got three decks. It's got three decks. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Jake Ellis and I... Don't uh, don't be admitting to... Well, 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 you know, I'm just, you know, <laughs> the good people of Logan ain't going to care. All right. Yeah, so Jake Ellis and I, we took the trip out to Boise for this game. And, you know, we had a grand old time. A little bit of a gripe on the Boise State press box food. Because yeah. I'm, I'm a dessert guy. I'm a soda guy. Did not have a soda fountain, which is the first press box I've ever been in that hasn't had a soda fountain for yeah, the media. Same. They gave us breakfast before the game that started at 10 a.m. No refreshments during lunchtime, so my belly was rumbling a little bit. Anyways, we leave the stadium <laughs> after we're done working, and we decide that we're going to weasel into the – what do they call it these days? The Extra Mile Arena. The Extra Mile Arena. It used to be the Taco Bell Arena. and Now it's the Extra Mile Arena in Boise where they play their basketball games. And, you know, we – we took a took a little peek inside. We didn't we didn't break in. No, it was the door was open. The, the door was open, and we walked in. <laughs> I've been in that arena. Jake had not, so we got to see his grandeur and its 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 uh, its stature. I guess it's not that impressive personally. It's three decks, but calling calling those things decks is <laughs> it's a little generous. It's a little generous. Yeah, sure. I don't. I thought I liked it. Um, 
for an on-campus arena, it's probably one of the, the better ones I've seen of the Mountain West schools. The Moby Arena is up there, the Spectrum, of course. The Moby Dick Arena? Where they got the no whales. Colorado State? <laughs> Man, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Moby Arena a little later because there's some some good fortune oh, good for point, the Aggies there. But um, What about the Arena Auditorium in Laredice? I, I haven't been there, no. The Arena Auditorium in Laredice was built way too big for that program, not because it's a bad fan base, but because it's just a giant arena in the middle of nowhere. But it's fantastic. The Arena Auditorium in Laramie, if you ever get a chance to go, just make the trip. It's just, it's worth it. And it's the best place I've ever been as a media member because guess what they got in the media workroom? I, I know what they got. You told me now. They got a soft serve ice cream machine <laughs> in the arena auditorium at the University of Wyoming. They got a soft serve ice cream machine <laughs> in the media workroom. It's, you know, it's we're, we're, all, we're in it for the amenities. That's, yeah. that's why we do what we do. That's uh-huh. why we get up in the morning. It's for the amenities. It's for the free food during the games. <laughs> and that delivered. That fully, fully delivered. So... That's all I have to say about that. I don't know how we got talking about this, to be honest. But Yeah. Now, I will say before we jump on, on arenas, I'd like to do probably a full tier list later in the winter. I think that'd be fun. But um, I would just say, like, honestly, I'm thinking about it, there's not too many bad arenas in the Mountain West. I think San Jose State's down there, yeah. and I think Reno. I don't even – it's like the Lawrence Center, right? It's I've never been so, there in person. They have a decent basketball fan base, but it's a little bit too big, and it doesn't have any character to it. Yeah. Well, that's the main thing. It's like – because the thing about Arena Auditorium is it has a similar kind of space behind the basket that this one in Reno does, at least from watching on TV. Yeah, but, I'd say that's accurate. But it's, they don't, like, use it for fun things, at least that I've seen on TV. Whereas I have seen, like, the student section do cool things with it in Laramie. Like, they got the cheerleaders there. They got, like, you know. Gotcha. They got things there. They have, I'm sure they have other, I don't know. So maybe I'm talking out of nowhere, but no, that's no, kind of. No. I, I think you're onto something. So. We, yeah. We'll make a full tier. I promise. We, we promise to rank Mountain West Arenas by the end of this show. Much That would be a much uh, more interesting later. conversation than ranking the football stadiums. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because there's some real character. Viejas the, in San Diego. You got the pit. And then obviously um, Thomas and Mac, Thomas baby. and Mac in uh, Las Vegas. It's a different story during the regular season than it yeah, is for it the is. conference tournament. Yeah. But that place can come alive for the Mountain West conference tournament. So anyways, yeah, let's do that later because that will be fantastic. <laughs> Let's talk about the real headline this week, though. Utah State Volleyball wins their first Mountain West Tournament Championship in program history. In program history. Mm-hmm. That's, it's, it's true. So they said back-to-back on their social posts. Not to – this isn't – I'm not calling out anyone. I'm just saying last season it was a split of the regular season crown, which is a great accomplishment. But borderline, I feel like saying back-to-back kind of belittles a tournament championship because that's, like, bigger, in, in my opinion, at least, right? So when you say back to back, I feel like it belittles this season a little bit. Maybe I'm going nowhere on that. What do you What do you think on that? Well, you know, I I think it's a it's a nice little PR thing that they're doing. Sure. That's they kind of did the same thing with basketball a few years back when Utah State split the no 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 it wasn't the same because basketball won both tournaments. Yeah, but that year they were kind of claiming back to back, even though the second year they did not win the regular season. So I mean. Factually, it's true. Is it confusing? Yeah, it's kind of funny. So I, for for said, for a publication that won't be named, I'm doing a, <laughs> a story on volleyball, and so I spoke with Tatum Stahl and head coach Rob, Rob Nielsen, and Tatum even admitted she was like, I think people were confused with the whole back to back thing. Yeah. But here's the interesting thing about this year, and this is a main point I want to make. Well, actually, hold on, let's back up a second. Yeah. Jake, give us a little. Let's bit run of through the tournament. Yeah, of the tournament 
and their run and what happened leading up to the tournament and then what they were able to do in the Moby Dick Arena in Fort Collins. All right, yeah. So in the Moby Arena, um, the Aggies, they opened in the first round because they were the fourth seed, I believe, coming into this tournament. So the first and second got buys. They played the fifth seed, uh, New Mexico Lobos, who uh, they had not won a set against that whole season. And they proceed to sweep the Lobos. So, like, already, like, feeling like that's a pretty good accomplishment after, um, let's just say, it was a, a rough, you know, regular season stretch against them. And then you take on UNLV, the, the number one volleyball team in the conference by a long shot. They'd been on, what, a 17-game winning streak, right? Something that's like correct. that. So they they were unstoppable. The Aggies, I believe, had only won one set against them. So, or no, they had one more. They went to five in both. So they had, they they had been competitive with UNLV, um, but they just hadn't been able to win that fifth set. But this time, they didn't even need it. Three three sets. They sweep That's right. the regular season championship or champion uh, without really much problem on the court. Like it was it was a great game. Utah State really looked super solid in that. And then. You take on San Jose State, who had been in the in the top three most of the season. I think they ended up in third. Um, Colorado State, I think, squeaked out that second spot. So Spartans beat Colorado State, I believe, and then they take on San Jose State, Utah State for the championship. And that one goes to four, and the Aggies win that. So not even a fifth set throughout the whole tournament to to win the crown. It was a huge showing for Utah State. Really strong. I mean, just phenomenal, especially losing those last two conference games. Tatum Stahl told me yesterday, she said that the Air Force girls were joking with her after the match at Colorado Springs, the last regular season game. They're like, we just beat you, and then now you're going to go to the Moby Dick Arena and win the whole thing. And so they were just teasing <laughs> teasing Tatum about that. But then Tatum also said that everybody wanted them to beat UNLV in the conference because UNLV was on a 17-game winning streak. They were pretty dominant. Yeah. But um, something that I wanted to touch on that Rob Nielsen talked about when I talked to him yesterday is, you know, last season, USC volleyball, to me, it felt like they kind of struck lightning in a bottle, became co-Mountain West champions with Colorado State. Then they bowed out of the tournament in the semifinals to Boise State, right? This year, on paper, it doesn't look like this year was as successful. Right? Yeah. Because they, what, we don't have the record pulled up, but they lost a lot more games in they conference. Did. They finish fourth in the conference, right? And then well, it was almost like a letdown because you beat number two UCLA to start the season. Obviously, UCLA fell further in the rankings, um, but like huge upset, crazy upset. You beat the Bruins, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're losing to Air Force in New Mexico throughout the conference season. Like, just seemed like they just started really strong and like just weren't sure exactly what was happening. But young Jake Ellis, let me let me tell you something. It's actually this year. What Rob Nielsen was trying to argue yesterday was they were a better team this year. It's just the Mountain West was completely elevated as well. Mm. And the the RPI backs this up. Last season, Utah State finished in the NCAA Volleyball RPI. They finished 100th. This year, this year they are 46. They are 22 wow. and 10, and they are 46 in the RPI. And why? Because the whole Mountain West is a lot better. The only team that finished ahead of, ahead of them in RPI last season was Colorado State. This year, UNLV is 24th nationally in RPI. They got an at-large bid to the tournament. Mm -hmm. 
Um, who else? Who else? We got San Jose State. San Jose State is 80th in RPI, and so Colorado State. Colorado State 55th. So they still have, even though they had some of these letdown losses, you could say to New Mexico and Air Force, and they um, they lost one at home that they shouldn't have. Uh, remind me of the team. I don't remember, but they still were playing much enhanced competition, and when it mattered most in the tournament, they delivered. They avenged the loss in New Mexico, mm-hmm. and then they just hammer a UNLV squad that is a top 25 team in the country, and then they handle San Jose State. And so I think that this shows that uh, this, is, this team is, is for real, because this isn't... How do I say it? It's not, it wasn't a one bid, bid league this year. Yeah. This wasn't like Utah State had a mediocre season, then got hot in a one big league, one bid league tournament, and backed their way into the dance. They played at a high level all season to get that fourth seed, and then played their best volleyball at the end, defeated a team in UNLV that isn't at large bid, and San Jose State, who could have been if things went a little bit differently. Yeah. And now they're into the tournament, and they're an 11th seed, which. I guess technically they're unseated, but their first game is against a six seed. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's an indication that you know, this team is respected, like we said, 46 in the RPI, and they could do some damage. Yeah. So this is Utah State's upcoming this weekend, Friday. It's going to be their fifth NCAA tournament appearance all time. Um, the Aggies' last appearance was in 2010. Um and they have only won, I believe, two tournament games. Yeah, two tournament games back in 2001 where they upset BYU, number 19 at that time. And then in 2005, um, yeah, I believe. Or excuse me, no. So 2000, they beat uh, Missouri. So they beat Missouri and BYU in the tourney. They've lost to BYU, Utah, uh, Cal, Arizona. So, um, hasn't been like any re- recent success, right? So, getting this first berth, I think, is is really showing that upward progression of Rob Nielsen's tenure here at Utah State. Um, and it, it's going to be against a really tough Arkansas team, like you said. Looks like number six. I well, I can't see it from here, but you said six. It's an SEC school, so yeah. they're not hosting the region. You know, Oregon's the top squad in this region it's in eugene but um it'll be a challenge for sure so i i feel like i've become a volleyball expert overnight (laughs) so let me let me tell you something that i learned yesterday the ncaa tournament for volleyball 64 filled just like march madness for basketball what was different is they just seeded the top the top team so the top 16 teams were seeded and then the rest of them they did it by geography and so if you look at the history that you were talking about Utah State, whenever they make the tournament, they always had to go down to Provo, play BYU, because BYU is usually the top seed that's closest to them. I guess that was for travel, this and that, whatever. Finally, they're doing it right. Even though technically only 32 teams are seeded, it's still constructed like a true 64-team tournament because it isn't de- it isn't uh, designed around geography as much as it was before. So now Utah State is going to Oregon, and they're playing a true six seed and in essence they're a true 11 seed so first of all that's great second of all this arkansas matchup is interesting for a couple of reasons 
The first one, Arkansas's head coach, Jason Watson. He is a former BYU men's volleyball player. Do you know who else is a former BYU men's volleyball player? Mr. Rob Nielsen. Mr. Rob Nielsen. So Jason Watson, he also worked with the the BYU women's team in Provo while Rob Nielsen worked with the men's team. So they know each other well. Um, They're close friends, Rob said. Also, Utah State played Arkansas last year in a tournament in Bozeman, Montana. And Arkansas won 3-2. to two. Um, It went 25-21 for Utah State, 25-16 for Arkansas, Utah State 25-23. Then Arkansas rounded it out with a 28-26 win and a 15-13 win. So that's close. About as close as you can get. Yeah. And that was this was a team that was um, without some of their players that this year have really added that depth. And so Utah State thinks we're just as good as these guys, but we have a year of experience under our belts, and we also have more depth than we did in this game. So they're not only is Utah State just happy to be here, but come Friday, they want they don't only want to win; they think they can win. They think they could beat this Arkansas team in advance to play the winner of LMU and Oregon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people on that squad that lost to, to Arkansas. Um, a couple. Uh, obviously, Boyd, Stahl on that team. There's a couple of changeover, but, um, you know, Capion's played at a high level at UNLV last season. Um, you have an SEC transfer in uh, Stokes, I believe, who played at South Carolina. That's right, Kylie Stokes. Um, so, yeah, I think there's – I think it's definitely a, a pretty even uh, – I don't, you know, I'm not sure what it's looking like on paper percentage-wise or whatnot, but – um, just coming in based on the talent that Utah State has, it seems like they got a really good shot at this. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, no, it's I, – I don't think it can be understated. Like, this is a big deal. I think that of all the, the women's sports on campus, volleyball is among the most well-attended, yeah. if not the most well-attended. I'd say so. And nationally, nationally, it's one that moves the needle. This is a tournament that is on ESPN that people do watch. And so this this is a big deal, right? And so we'll see uh, we'll see what the squad can do. Uh, should be exciting Friday night against Arkansas. Yeah. So. Awesome. Anything else you want to say about well, this squad? Let's uh, let's jump to a break really quick, and then on the other side we'll uh, we'll break down some uh, some what Aggie hoops. Yeah, that sounds great. All right, let's do it. I know you're bored, but I'm anxious tonight Take me by my old house this year One last time I need a friend, but you just wanna Kiss me hard to feel You are listening to 92.3 KBLULP, Logan, Utah.
This broadcast is brought to you by Aggie Radio 92.3 KBLU and America First Credit Union. America First Credit Union offers a wide variety of financial services, including home loans for building, buying, and refinancing. More information available at AmericaFirst.com. Bryant Heating and Cooling supports this program on 92.3 KBLU. Bryant Heating and Cooling does whatever it takes. It takes the right tools, attention to details, and friendly, knowledgeable service. More information is available at utahbryant.com. Discount Tire is a proud sponsor of Aggie Football and 92.3 KBLU. With locations in Logan, Providence, and Smithfield, Discount Tire offers services such as oil changes, emissions, alignments, car maintenance, and more. More information is available at webtires.net. Welcome back to Aggie Radio, 92.3 KBLU LP Logan. This is the Aggie Radio Sports Show presented by the Utah Statesman. I'm Jacob Nielsen. Alongside me, the sports editor of the Utah Statesman, Jake Ellis. First segment, we were talking some some Aggie football, some uh, some Utah State volleyball, and now uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump into to something else. So, Jake, what do you got for us? Well, um, what do you want to talk about first? Women's basketball or men's basketball? I have nothing to say about women's basketball, respectfully. So, really, I okay. haven't been watching well, let, them. I don't know it. how they're doing. Let's talk about it briefly, right? Okay. So, this is something I I've talked about with Ajay. Um, Salveson, who's the play-by-play voice of the Aggies, right? Friend of the show. Yeah, friend of the show. He actually, we'll talk about this later, but he wants to come on the show sometime, and it'll be fun. And we'll, we'll talk more women's hoops in depth when we got the expert. Yeah, he, program, he is right? the expert of all things. He, he's seen every basketball. game, been there in person, too. So he's the SID for, for that program right now as well. Um, but it, it's uh, I think the big thing here to watch is uh, that these losses are getting a little closer. And obviously that's not a great thing to, to be taken away first, but when when you see how badly they lost to Utah Tech, right, I've heard there's some rumblings that a lot of the team was really sick during that, that loss, and that's what the men's basketball team claimed when they went to overtime with San Diego, right? Well, we wouldn't have gone there if we were, we were a little sick too, right? So, you know, take that for what it is, right? But there's, you know, it's that, that season, right? Um, and those spread through teams super quick when they do come in because of how close contact you are every day. Um, and then you you really are just taking on some really great competition this last week. You have um, Ball State right before Thanksgiving, who is the top of the MAC right now, a really solid women's basketball team. Um, and then you lose at USC, which you know that's just that's a school that supports women's basketball. So it's just. Well, I, I, I think that Utah State's a school that supports women's basketball. Oh, as well. sure, sure. But it's not a USC a, like, is highly a highly supports USC basketball. is a blue blood of collegiate athletics, and so they're expected to have a top notch, state of the art women's basketball team. Yeah, and sure. that and that was a buy game for going down there. USC is not making a re- return trip to Logan, so that's that's not a game you're expected mm-hmm. to win. No, not at all. So uh, yeah, seventy nine forty eight that loss, but they got a they got an in state opponent in Weber State. Um, that one should be a bit of a challenge tomorrow night at six on the road. You can hear that here on Aggie Radio, but I feel like that'll be one that Utah State will get a pretty good chance at if they can stay in this one. It's really been second quarter collapses that have doomed the team this season. They've been doubled up, even tripled up, and a couple times in the second quarter, and then the rest of the time it's it's pretty even competitively. So. Uh, if they can just avoid that collapse, uh, maybe get a better chance there, and then they'll take on UVU on Saturday at two o'clock in the Spectrum. 
I think that you mentioned that maybe the results have been better since the Utah Tech game. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they've been better as much as they've been against better opponents, but they're, you would say this team defensively looks better. They gave up 95 to Utah Tech, 63 to Arkansas State, 80 to Ball State, and then 79 to USC. So considering, one, that was all less than than the 95 to Utah Tech, but also these are superior opponents to Utah yeah. Tech, unless Utah Tech just low-key's got a women's basketball juggernaut down <laughs> not, there in Southern not Utah. Not that I'm aware of. Um, so maybe the significant I know that that was playing in the men's basketball. Mm-hmm. The, those two, they share facilities. They do a lot of the same things yeah, together. Yeah, I don't know so. if it was the same thing, but so it was around the same been. timing. And, yeah. yeah. So maybe the benefit of the doubt there. But, yeah, this is a big a big week and a, a big – three game stretch for women's basketball because today they play excuse me tomorrow they play weber state then on saturday they uh they host utah valley and then the following week they host byu so three in-state teams in a row and probably teams are gonna be a little bit better than each other as those games progress and so tomorrow can they put up a fight against weber state down there in the purple palace and get get a win I don't know. We'll, Who's we'll to say? To see. We'll have to see. Um, it does seem like the team wants to. You know, I don't. I don't. I'm not getting the sense that they're. You know, resigning on the season by any means. So, you know, I. I feel like I still see that fight in them when I've watched their games, and so we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, let's switch to men's men's hoops. Uh, obviously, five and zero oh, had a, a nice Thanksgiving break off. Um. Coach Odom said, you know, the, the Utah guys are head, heading with their family, right? And then he had the got a lot of foreign-based players, a lot of Europeans, and they went to Coach Odom's house for Thanksgiving. So now it's time to re-engage and, and start it off with uh, Utah Tech. Happy birthday to Sean Bearstow. Is that today? Right to, today is wow. his birthday, November 30th. Happy birthday to you, Sean. Very nice. Um, yeah, they, they, so they're, they're right back in it, you know. Starting up Utah Tech, and then big game Sunday against San Francisco. Yeah, I don't want to overlook Utah Tech, but no. let's overlook Utah Tech. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I will say I'll say this. I think this is a good scheduled, well timed scheduled game because they they've been off for eight days, right? Because they're playing a tournament over Christmas, and Thanksgiving is kind of their break. Get a game against a team that's an inferior opponent talent wise, a game that you should win easily. Have that one be first before you go and play the biggest non-conference game of your slate at San Francisco. So that'll be interesting. We'll see if, uh, you know, right now they're shooting their number one in three-point percentage. Uh, did, did you have that note? Okay, so I have, um, yeah, so Utah State leads. The, this is per Ashley Springer, SID of that program. Uh, Utah State leads the nation in three-point field goal percentage with 47.8 and is second in three-pointers made per game at 12.8. Then uh, leading that pack is Stephen Ashworth, of course, who is second nationally in three-pointers made per game at four, and ninth in three-point field goal percentage at 55.6%. So Stephen Splashworth and the Aggies (laughs) have just kind of taken the court by storm in these first five games. The question... Well, but here's here's the little thing, right? Go ahead. Is that Taylor Funk... Is, is just three spots lower, which I knew he was shooting well. But did you think he was shooting Ashworth levels? I'm he's 
I mean, he's been hitting every shot that he takes. I mean, it feels like it goes in or it should go in, which is outrageous. And three pointers made per game, three point eight per game, and then twelfth and three point field goal percentage, fifty four percent. So, like, he's he's right there. With you, you have two guys in the top twelve in both statistics, and they're not both guards. So no. even if you're playing a team that has great perimeter defenders, you you still aren't taking away the three-point shot entirely at least you have to have a big man that can stretch out and get on funk yeah and both of them they create their shots differently steven ashworth is just silly because he can his his shot off the dribble seems to be just as effective as his shot off the catch you know and he has range funk has range funk also has a decent step back for a big man and he he's someone that has showed that he can bury those contested jumpers so here's my question and this is how we tie it back into this week how sustainable yeah is this for utah state basketball this shooting spree that they're on because it's it's outstanding and it's um really helped them in their five and oh start their top 50 and ken palm um looking to be on the bubble of the at-large field which is a silly thing to talk about this in november but <laughs> we still talk about it because because it's it's fantastically in, enjoyable to to discuss, but yeah, are we going to see the same high shooting clip level against Utah Tech after they've been off for a week? And can that kind of tune them up to be able to shoot like this against uh, the Dons of San Francisco? Well, so we say that they've been off for the week, but obviously they've been practicing. Um, I think he said that after the holiday it was a pretty normal practice week for him. Um, yeah, yeah this, this even, week has yeah. been regular practicing. Yeah. So, and then, um, yeah, no, that is the, the big question. That's something Ken Palm came to the Oral Roberts game, right? And he was like, Ken Palm Roy? Man, these guys are good, but I don't know how long they can keep that three point up, right? Because that's unbelievable. Like, <laughs> like these stats are crazy. Um, and honestly, I don't know how you even predict a thing like that, uh, a flow like that. A break like that can be bad for flow. But then again, uh, you know, it gives you a chance to step back and maybe you're not forcing stuff. So it, it really – I don't know if that's one that you can predict like that. What, what do you think? Is it sustainable? Well, I mean, defined sustainable is 47 and change percent from beyond the art for the entire team sustainable. I would say probably not. Is it sustainable that they can stay amongst one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country? I would say yes. And because of what you alluded to, like Taylor Funk and Steven Ashworth are two completely different body types and positions, yet they're both shooting at such a high level. And Max Shulga has shot the three ball at a high level. And because of it's not just one guy mm-hmm. carrying the load in that sense, Z Hamoda has shown that he's been able to. We're still kind of waiting for Bearstow. But. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the most exciting thing is that it's something they emphasize all the time is how unselfish of a team they want to be, and, and I think they've shown that when whoever's hot is the guy that they're going to go with. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's kind of like, well, that's Ashworth or Funk just based on the last like three games. But you look back and you had Barristow in the opening contest, and then uh, did Cholga lead a game? Maybe not. Let's see. I'm not sure if he led a game. He but did he's, not lead. He's a had game, a multi. He's, he's had a couple. He's had several double-digit performances. Ryland Jones has gotten hot from beyond the arc yeah. as well. Well, Dan, Dan Atkin led a game at San Diego. 
Yeah, what, and that's scoring? that's not points. with a no. It's not with a three ball. Not with but, a three ball, but it's still production, and that's mm-hmm. that. That's probably the biggest question when we talk about this: is it sustainable? Is if it's not, if there's a game where they have a down day from the three point range, how are they going to be able to score points? They had that a little bit against San Diego, mm-hmm. and we saw Dan Atkin was effective in the middle, and there's there's things they can do. I I need. I think we won't get our full answers till conference play no. because the physicality of conference, the competitiveness, the defensive tenacity, it's just different. The All the coaches know each other. The game planning is different. Because like, what the, you're about to say. Yeah, because yeah. they know the personnel of opposing teams really, really when well. When you're scouting, like, say, so they open up the season with uh, New Mexico, right? Is that the first conference game? Or is it Air Force? Oh, I, I think I it's New no Mexico. Idea. I think it's um, Fresno State. Who's coming on, on New Year's Eve, like the twenty? Oh, heavens I if I know. I don't know. I think it's Fre- it's either Fresno or New Mexico. It's, it's, one, of it's Fresno State. It's one of those red teams, right? Um, and you, when you're watching game film on them, that first game obviously is, is going to be a little tougher. But then the, literally the next film prep you have, at, I think it's at Air Force right after the holiday, is you get to watch Air Force versus someone else. So you're kind of already scouting that other team while you're scouting for Air Force. No, that's a, that's a great a great observation, Jake Ellis. So. I think I think that's something Odom's told multiple times. Oh, frills. Well, I don't know. I just I wrote a lot more previews last season, right? So that's something yeah, that yeah, he would yeah. talk about. But anyway, it it's um it like you said, it's really it's going to come down to playmakers. It's going to come up to uh, you know, can you get wh- where can you find your advantage and can you keep it sustainably? So is it going to be the three point mark right now? Looks like it might be, but. Five games is way too small of a sample size. Way too small of a sample size. Last thing I'll say about men's hoops is this week is huge because the San Francisco game has the opportunity of being a quad two game. They don't have a ton of quality quad one. They I don't think that they're going to have any quad one opportunities unless San Francisco ends up having a really great season. Maybe one or two quad two opportunities. Moral of the story is they need to win this game. Like, Going at large, going twelve and one in non-conference of the loss of San Francisco, that's not going to cut it. It might if they. There's going to be plenty of plenty of chances in conference play to build a resume, yeah. but they need at least one quality non-conference win. They've had good non-conference wins, but as good of teams as we think Santa Clara and Bradley and Oral Roberts are, which they are good teams, on Selection Sunday when it comes to March. And they're looking at these resumes, and they're looking at the SEC team that might have 13 losses, but hey, they beat they beat Alabama on the road, and you know all this and that. Mm-hmm. Are you going to look at a Utah State team that has less losses, but they didn't play anybody in the non-conference, and the one team they played was was the loss of San Francisco? You know, especially after you pick three teams to get into the tournament last year for the Mountain West, and they all get bounced in the first round. Four, four, yeah. four. Yeah, exactly. So it's a. Uh, I think it's it's it will be considerable to the selection committee. I think you're right. Yeah. So, huge game, Sunday afternoon at the Warriors Arena. First, they got to get by Utah Tech. <laughs> they'll uh, they'll take care of Utah Tech. If not, I'll uh, don't underestimate the Blazers, man. Trailblazers. If they don't, I will. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll eat a peanut butter jelly sandwich on the show <laughs> next week. I don't like bread. That, that doesn't seem like a punishment. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Jacob will eat an entire French baguette if Utah <laughs> <Tech> <laughs> beats Utah State on the show. How about that? All right, bet. Okay. So you can bring it when you're coming back from Walmart next week. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, 
so we got a couple of fun things to talk about um, before we end the show. But let's go ahead and take one more break, um, and we'll be right back here on Aggie Radio. Stick around. You won't want to miss this. Ripples and Logan provides the community with a way to make a difference by donating life-saving plasma. A new donor can earn up to $800 in their first month donating. The mission at Griffles is to improve the health and well-being of people around the world. Griffles Biomat USA is located in Logan next to Al's Sporting Goods. More information can be found at grifflesplasma.com. Sports Academy and Racquet Club is a proud sponsor of Aggie Football on 92.3 KBLU. Sports Academy has classes for swimming, tumbling, and trampoline, group fitness, and tennis for kids and adults. More information at sportsacademy.com. Utah State Football is brought to you by Aggie Radio 92.3 KBLU and Zions Bank. More information about banking services is available at zionsbank.com. Welcome back to the Aggie Radio Sports Show on 92.3 KBLULP Logan, presented by the Utah Statesman. I'm Jake Ellis, the sports editor of the Utah Statesman. With me, last year's sports editor, a contributor for KSL.com, Jacob Nielsen. You know, we're building a legacy of, legacy? of sports editors here at the Utah Statesman. Because after one leaves, the other <laughs> one comes in, you know, and then it sure. just grows into this giant family. That, that's nice. We got, we got Dalton Renshaw, mm-hmm. we got Jaden Johnson, we got Daniel Hansen. We got me, we got you. Who's going to be next? Who's to say? I don't know. It's, maybe, just, it's, maybe a, it's one a beautiful of, thing. Maybe one of those students walking down the TSC that can hear our very voices right now. Might just be you. <laughs> Could be. Um, all right. So here's my first fun thing to talk about. Um, we didn't really cover the changing of the guard for the Mountain West Commissioner. Obviously, it hasn't happened yet. It'll happen at the turn of the year, right, January. So, um Gloria Navarez is going to take over for Craig Thompson, the only commissioner of the Mountain West Conference in its history up until this point. And uh, Navarez comes from the West Coast Conference. Uh, so my question for you, Jacob Nielsen, is what do you want Navarez to accomplish as the Mountain West commissioner in her first year? Do you want me to give you my serious take or my not as serious Both. take? All right. I'm and let me guess first which one, one is first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my first one, bring back the Mountain West Network. What? Yes. They got to bring back the, the Mountain West Network. We need cable. We need Boise, Utah State. We don't want it on the mothership of CBS anymore. We want it on the mountain. You want it on standard definition? Give us standard definition. Um, mountain West. I want it blurry. Um, I want it only available from like three carriers. Like, give you can't get it from Dish or DirecTV. Only from Xfinity. If you pay an extra premium, it's got to be really inaccessible. It's got to be really hard to watch. Give me awful broadcasters, but I want it back. The conference needs its identity. It revolves around the Mountain West Network. Bring it back. I we want to re- restore right? the glory days. When it was a cable channel, was it just the Mountain, like MTN? No, you might be right. In actually. Circle? Because Mountain West Network is what they call their streaming. Oh, is it right now? Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I. But that's your. That's your silly take, right? I mean, come on, like you don't want. No, that. no, no. Of you course don't. I do. <laughs> of course I do. That's fantastic. Okay. All Kay. right. All right. Number one, bring back the mountain. Okay. My second Two. take. Oh man, how can I still have time while I think about a second take? 
I don't know. I think my second take is probably kick San Diego State out of the conference. Really? Yep. Okay. Because uh, they make the rest of us look bad. You know, they're down there, sunny beaches, you know, pretty girls, just uh, living living the good San Diego life. And the rest of us are freezing our tails off in Fort Collins and Laredice and uh, Logan, you know. Listeners, I'd like you to kick know San that Diego I texted State Jacob before out of the, the conference. show to, get, to allow him time to think of – some responses and this is what he came up with <laughs> i'm a thinker i'm a thinker what can i say okay all right so which one was my serious which one was my my joking dude i think they were both jokes uh, no okay. way that's both fair that's were, fair one of those was serious that's fair okay what do you got tim um I'll, i'm gonna be a lot more serious right maybe i'll try and think of a funny one while i'm talking about right now um you gotta i think you gotta spruce up some of these bull tie-ins i think just barely, Craig Thompson getting the LA Bowl was huge and a great marquee facility. Kind of it replaces that Las Vegas Bowl tie-in, right? Man, the, the, the Las Vegas Bowl was where it was at, though. For being honest, yeah, it was. Well, I don't know about Sam Boyd, but if you could imagine that. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Have league, you have you been to a Las Vegas have, Bowl at Sam Boyd? I've been to Just a Las Vegas bro. Bowl. I, it was a lot of time, fun. The first time I Sam ever Boyd. tailgated was a Las Vegas Bowl. Fun fact. <laughs> really? Yep. What'd you have? Uh, Bratwurst. Mm-hmm. Uh, Just out there in the desert. Sandboy, I love that place. <laughs> okay, it's got nothing. SoFi's got nothing on Sandboy Stadium. Sure, I disagree, but okay. Okay, so spruce up some of the bowl tie-ins. Um, I I think uh, you know cities like Boise and Albuquerque should have bowl games, but I think it ought to be like MAC CSU kind of opponents. You know, let's uh, let's get a uh, you know some travel involved. Let's get some nicer uh sunny location you keep the hawaii bowl obviously um but bring the poinsettia bowl back you know yes that'd Agreed. be great um get a bowl in Sacktown or something sacramento less, less great yeah sacramento ah okay are you disagree <laughs> get one in the pacific northwest lumen field in seattle <laughs> how about that um i disagree that you should get rid of the boise bowl the potato bowl i didn't say to get away i just oh. said Oh, give that it that should exist, but it shouldn't be a Mountain West bowl tie-in. Imagine we're already playing at Albertsons. Yeah, but I mean, give it. I I think you should still keep that one just because you know they, they got fries in a cooler that they dump on the coaches. What's well, what's what better? If we than trade that? it for the Mayo Bowl. Ooh, I would take the Mayo Bowl. Okay, all right, I got you there. I think I think that the Mountain West should get a second Las Vegas Bowl. I would be down for that. So, get rid of the of whatever one you need to. Get one in Las Vegas because if we're talking about accessible places to travel by by car and by plane, Vegas is a place. Vegas always and a desirable and a desirable destination. The Mountain West, I think that was a big blow that they lost to the Las Vegas yeah, game as the premier. They need to get one back, even if it's not against the Pac-12 program. Mm-hmm. They should still try to try to get one. And you know what? I'll double down. Play it at Sam Boyd Stadium. That Brilliant. thing's still there. Still exists. They do like monster truck rallies there and stuff. Well, I'm sure Play some tourism Boyd. officials would be happy with that. But I think, you know, I would be happy. You with could that. get a. I bet you could get um. I know a lower tier uh, Eastern Conference team, maybe maybe an ACC team or something. If you played in Allegiant Stadium, if you, I bet you can draw them out. If you played in an NFL stadium, uh, maybe. But I, I my concern with with how bowl games are going and everything is. The gap between the P5 and G5 is only growing, so nobody in the entire world is going to want to agree to start a new bowl game playing a G5 program like the Mountain West. So they got the one tie-in with the Pac-12, and then sometimes 
by happenstance they'll play a different Pac-12 or Big 12 school. But I just I don't see unless they really just pull off some wizardry, I don't see a circumstance where the Mountain West can get another tie-in to a bowl against a Power Five team besides the LA Bowl. Maybe you gotta you definitely gotta it's gotta have a good payout and it's gotta be in a good place to get one of those. It's true. So that's my pitch in the Legion Bowl. Well, a Las Vegas Bowl in Allegiant Stadium. A Las Vegas Bowl? With a good payout. And do you know who's going to own it in Eric? Hmm. The Mountain. No. Bring back the <laughs> no, Mountain. Do not bring back the Mountain. That, that's how you get anybody. That's how you get the SEC to come to, okay. to Vegas. Okay. Yep. All right. I'm trying to think of if I had anything else pressing I wanted to say, but I think bowl tie-ins is important. Where's, uh, where's Utah State going for their bowl game, huh? I don't know. Do you know? Who's to say? Who's to say? Who's to say? Well, it's not the Hawaii Bowl. That's all we can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I think that was the main one I wanted to uh, express was some bowl tie-ins should probably be better. Um, I feel like some of the network tie-ins are better. I think you got to – okay, here's one. Then Fox Sports Broadcasting Games, great. Love it on that channel, but you got to make the commentators come out to the stadium. You know, that's – that that's really elevates though, the quality. Like, CBS Sports Network, I'm not sure entirely on the history of which one's been here longer, which one, you know, is a better brand, which one makes more money. I'm not sure on all that. But I'm just saying, right now, the quality of broadcasts are better on CBS Sports Network when you're watching a football game because they send the guys out there. They hire a local crew that knows the stadium. They do these things. They, they put a good quality on the air. Um, they don't lower any of their standards because it's a Mountain West game at 8 p.m. So... I think you got to throttle Fox and be like, hey, if you want our games, you got to produce them quality-wise. So I'm not sure what the contract looks like, how attainable that is, but I would love to see that improved. Personally. I think that is a little lazy. And yeah. from a journalism perspective, you know, when you start not doing things, there's always budget cutbacks. There's always places that the money will and won't go. And if you start making a habit of things, all of a sudden that – doesn't become a priority anymore and then all of a sudden there's no money left for it so i think that that's even from a from a grander lens it's a scary thing to see broadcasters not traveling for in-person games because if that's already happening like what where is that going to go where's the integrity of media going to go at in the future is anybody going to be sent anywhere on the road right for anything yeah when i think that's a crucial part of it i mean our experience in boise this weekend i think we got a different grasp of that game from being there that that matters yeah and so i would say so so that that concerns me with that sense is if the major broadcasting networks won't even send the two guys doing the color and the play-by-play who's going to be going anywhere in the next couple of years yeah all right those are my two things um and then we're running out of time i just really briefly i will say is that Philadelphia Eagles players have come together to make a Christmas album. Have you heard of this? Nope. All right. Let me just read the, the headline for you really quickly. Um, Jason Kelsey is leading it from the Eagles. He's making a Christmas <laughs> album. And he's got a couple uh, offensive linemen, Lane Johnson and Jordan Mailata, I believe. And then it has cameos from Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, and Brandon Graham. No kidding. So Christmas album, I heard it on TikTok. Yes. Don't. Don't you know? Don't flag me down for that. But ha, you're a TikToker. It, ha. Yeah, heard it on TikTok. They sounded pretty good, singing wise. So I would like you to assemble three three uh, Utah State athletes that you would like to hear a Christmas album from. Um, Johnny Carter. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so I want to go. I, I all right, go, go, go. So I want. We'll go alternate, right? Okay. Ike Larson or rap Christmas album. Uh, Fire. That's a, that's the low hanging fruit. I can't believe that wasn't your first album. Uh, Johnny Carter would be fantastic. It would be good. Okay. All right. What's your second? Um, let's go with uh, Tatum Stall because I just talked to her and it seems like she'd 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 be fun. You think she's got some pipes? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Prima Cellis on the women's basketball team. Okay. Because when I asked her her favorite song for our fun little trading cards thing for the Winter Magazine, she started singing the song. She didn't just say <laughs> the title. She started singing the song. So, Prima Cellis. Uh, my third is Connor Coles. <laughs> that's that's a lovely choice. Tatum Stall, Connor Coles, and AJ Carter. Okay. They're going to have a, a banger of a Christmas carol. All right. What's your third? I will pick um, Taylor Funk because I've heard some of his shoot-around music. And it's kind of that rap beat. So I think we'd have, you know, all three of those, Prima Cellis, Ike Larson, and Taylor Funk on our Christmas rap album and be solid, be fire. Yeah, I, I we're going to go more of like a Elton John and Sharon vibe with ours. Okay. It's going to, you know, speak to the You're heart. You're a big Elton John fan, right? Obviously. And an even bigger Ed Sheeran fan. Obviously, mate. <laughs> okay, that's it. We're, we're over on time. Thanks for so much for listening. This has been the Aggie Radio Sports Show on 92.3 KBLU LP Logan. I'm Jake Ellis for Jacob Nielsen. Please uh, continue to uh, read our content. We really appreciate all the support and have a great night. In 1979, Larry H. Miller opened his first dealership in Utah. Though for years he'd worked in other places, he chose to open here because he loved this state. He valued what Utah's people value, integrity, hard work, and the desire to enrich the lives of others. And today, those values continue to drive us forward in business, in our communities, in life. The Larry H. Miller Family of Dealerships, driven by a love for Utah, driven by you. This broadcast is brought to you by Aggie Radio 92.3 KBLU and America First Credit Union. America First Credit Union offers a wide variety of financial services, including home loans for building, buying, and refinancing. More information available at AmericaFirst.com.